Welcome to Talking Business and Life with Claudio Relsano and Steve Mancini. Claudio and Steve will share their business and life experience to help you grow your business and improve your life. Here's Claudio and Steve. Hello, everyone, and thank you so much for tuning in to Talking Business and Life with Claudio Relsano and Steve Mancini. I am Claudio Relsano. And I am Steve Mancini. Today's topic, uh, as we started the show, we said we want to have impact on you. We're going to talk business. We're going to talk life. We've had some great guests on. We have many uh, more coming in to share their personal stories, both, again, in business and life. But today, we're going to talk about dealing with disappointment, both in people and uh, maybe some opportunities that you were looking to, uh, to get. You thought you were going to get it, and they kind of pulled the rug from underneath you. Uh, that's happened to all of us. That's right. And you know what the iron? I just thought of something though. When you the way you said that business in life, and and it's like they're not exclusive. Your your what you do for a living obviously impacts your life, and how you live your life impacts what you do for a living. So they're not exclusive. So when we, to your point, when we interview somebody and talk about business, we want to know about the person too because it kind of bleeds to what we're going to talk about today. That whole d- disappointment piece, because. If you're trying to do something, you know, at a business level, and you and you don't succeed at something right away, well, that's going to impact your life and how you're going to take that home now yeah. to your family and friends and all those around you. So all of these things interwined, you know, and how much you want to let them, you know, eat you up. That's kind of ultimately that's your decision. But at the end of the day, you know, you cannot escape. Bad things are going to happen to you. You are not going to win every single thing every single time that you go out there and do it. And so, okay, now what? And that's yeah. kind of what we're going to talk about today. Yeah, it's, it's how you deal with it. I mean, recently for me, there was something that I was really, 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 uh, I don't want to say counting on because counting on makes it sound like if I don't get this, you know, I'm, I'm in trouble. No, it wasn't like that. That's why I have so many different funnels right. of income. Uh, again, what you miss on the merry, uh, roundabout, you pick up on the merry-go-round. When this doesn't go well, and I got that again from who, who, who says it? Greg Norman. Greg Norman. One of those guys, yeah. right. What you miss on the roundabout, you pick up on the merry-go-round. But this one particular thing, I've been trying to get this for damn near two years. And um, uh, audition might be the wrong term, but I auditioned for this thing. It was a speaking thing. And it was a lot of pressure. It's easier for me to speak in front of 500 people than it is five, right? And, you know, I spoke in front of this group. Okay. You did group. Now you got to do it again over here. Okay. Then you got to do it. And it's whenever I do anything, even if I write a letter to somebody that I care about, even when I wrote my book, it's so draining because, again, my mom used to say, never speak from the neck up, speak from the heart up. Uh, They used to say Roberto Clemente didn't order a cup of coffee without being passionate about it. So whenever I gave this speech, it was a motivation type thing. Man, you're drained. And even on the way up there, because you think about it. You don't know if those people are going to be impressed with you. You don't know if they're going to be motivated by you. You don't know if you're going to hit a, a nerve um, or if they're just going to say, oh, man, this guy's boring or whatever. You know, so that, that does play in your mind. So I went up there, and you, you psych yourself up. And to be very honest with you, I did great. And I never think I do good. I always feel I can do better. But apparently I did really good. And I said, okay, bam, you got it. So great, okay. So I was so excited about it, thought about it every single day. I'm not going to lie to you, every single day. And then recently, you know, I haven't heard from them. And I said, hey, what's going on with this situation? When do I start? Well, we kind of put it on the back burner. And, and 
this is a big time company that has much more important things than right. than than me and what I was going to be doing. But and, and they mentioned this to me. You know, they reached out to me. But um, so it's not you know it's not totally done. But I was hoping to start to be honest with you in September. But I kind of felt little disappointed and the rug you know kind of pulled underneath me because I, I was counting on it because as I've said numerous times I'm looking to transition into another world when baseball doesn't want me or if I don't want baseball um, or maybe just adding this on you know I don't really get rid of too many things but so I was disappointed and but you know what I, I got over it quicker than I usually get over disappointment um, Years ago on the show Cheers, if you remember, uh, Sam Malone, the the main character, was a former Major League Baseball player and, of course, the owner of a bar. So Fred Dreyer, one of my business role models, a former L.A. Rams defensive end, played a role in the show. I forgot the name, but he was a reporter. So he goes to Sam Malone, Sam, we want to do a special on you and interview you. It's going to be all over Boston. So Sam Malone said, wow, this is my chance to be back in the limelight. I'd love to do it. He said, okay, tomorrow we're going to do it. So Sam was all excited. All the friends and people were at the bar waiting for Sam Malone to, to you know, do his thing. And Fred Dreyer walks in. He asks Sam a question. Fred Dreyer's, uh, you know, his character asks Sam Malone a question. And just as he's ready to answer it, well, he's answering it, and everybody's, like, listening. And then all of a sudden, this guy who was working with Fred Dreyer said, hey, McEnroe has something he wants to get off his chest in front of everybody. So Fred Dreyer says, we got to go get McEnroe. <laughs> so they left Sam Malone dangling, right? Just uh, now what? So Fred Dreyer leaves and Sam Malone's, hey, don't worry about it. It was just one of those things. Don't worry about it. He goes in the back room and, and he was very upset. So his girlfriend, Diane Chambers, Shelley Long, <laughs> Yeah, she said, <laughs> yeah, she, she said, I'm dating myself. I'm 58, well, 59 in October. But she goes, she's trying to give him examples, make him feel better. Well, Sam, you know, there was a cheerleading thing. I got cut. And one time uh, there was a play and I didn't make it. And she was trying to cheer him up. And I'll never forget this line as long as I live. He said, Diane, I appreciate what you're doing. And tomorrow I'm going, tomorrow I'm going to be okay. But for tonight, I'm going to feel bad. And in other words, he gave himself that little time to feel bad, and he moved on, you know. And so I, I handled this actually pretty good because you got to remember, for damn near two years, every single day I was thinking about this. And what am I going to say to the people when I get this opportunity, the things I'm going to say, business leaders, high school athletes, you know, I was preparing for it, which is basically basically my life stories, but I was getting ready for it. You know, how, how's the cadence? How do you do this? How do you do that? And I was really excited for it. And then now, you know, it doesn't look like, I don't know if it's going to happen or not. Probably not. Maybe it will. I don't know. But how did I handle it? You know, just like job interviews. I mean, there were coaching job interviews, scouting, uh, you know, professional. I told you guys numerous times, 137 rejection letters that I had, some of them looking back. I probably shouldn't have gotten anyway, but um, a lot of them I should have. And um, now since then, I've been offered many pro jobs, which I've turned down, but that's for another show. But but So you tape that letter on top of the rejection letter. Right, so yeah, really. Does, oh. Yeah, but, but you know, I handled it well and better than I thought I would, to be honest with you. I, and I, I did, when I, I said, if I see them today 
and they dog me, I'm going to get mad. I'm going to say, you know what? You know, but then you know who I thought of? Mario Andretti when he said, don't burn bridges. Yeah, so I didn't say anything. I, didn't, I said, that's okay. Well, hey, if you ever start it up again, get back to me. But, but dealing with disappointment is something that, and that's the key word, dealing with it. And I dealt with it. I didn't even need the entire night, to be honest with you, the Sam Malone theory. And, and I've used that theory many times. Um, but it was hard and it bothered me. And it still does bother me. And if I keep thinking about it more, it's going to bother me. But, you know, I handled it pretty well. And hopefully it does come back and I'll certainly let, let our audience know. But um, that's how I dealt with that. And this happened recently. And, and real quick, sometimes people say, oh, Claudio, you're coaching, you're doing this, you're doing that, everything's great. Not always, and, and I'm grateful for my life, both personally and professionally. But things do happen to all of us. Right. You know, not, somebody looks at uh, a Magic Johnson, okay, <laughs> very extremely successful. you got to remember, he had a talk show that bombed. He was disappointed. He had a business venture where he sold clothing. That didn't work. You know, things of that nature. It's not the Midas touch. Everything these people touch, you think, exactly. oh. That's all what you hear. Well, that's right. You don't hear that, about the failure. That's exactly right. We, right. we keep saying that. When, you, when you, see, you see the person after the fact. You don't see the road to get there. But even, even these people that are sitting on the mountain, even when they're on the mountain, they still have failures. Like you said, all these, how many athletes, you know, or, or musicians, you know, pop stars, they go out and they want to have their own clothing brand. How many clothing brands have been started by rock stars, pop stars, you know, athletes, and they fail? They just yeah. like, oh, I put my name on it, it's going to be automatic success. Not really, because there's a bunch of other people just putting their name on it who have a brand name that you can recognize. There's obviously something else that people want and you didn't give it to them. Therefore, you don't have everything people want. Now what? Gene Simmons started a few different things. Now, a lot of them have gone well, not just the Kiss. I think Rock and Brew, I believe, that's going great. But there was a few things, a financial company. That but some of these guys are just very, very good businessmen. Oh, sure. And that's, but and even that's if you're the good, difference. Right. My, there's my no thing, guarantee of success. I, I auditioned right. for this. It was for speaking thing, and it went really well. And, and I did a great job. And I'm always hard on myself. I always think I can do better. But it just didn't come to fruition yet. But I, I, my point is, I dealt with it better than I thought I would. I didn't get mad, I, and I was, I was mad, right? I was disappointed when he, when he said it. But I, I went into it prior. So okay, Claude, don't get all worked up. Don't get mad. Don't burn any bridges. Because what's that going to do? Maybe, you know, maybe you'll feel better about yourself, you know. But I said, nah, that's okay. If, if you guys decide to put it on the front burner, give me a call. So let me ask you then: Is there a so when you so someone says, "Look, something bad happened," you're saying, "I got to just deal with it." Okay, there is that old adage of just you know suck it up and grin and bear it. But is there a method? Is there a process you go through to just deal with it? Um, you know, like I, I don't put a blanket on anything. Okay, because uh, some things are a little tougher to deal with than, than others. And, and again, I, I'm not going to lie to you, I surprised myself on this because I really well, wanted Well, you've been talking this. to me about it for yeah. a long time. A long and I was kind of like, you know, oh, he's going to be. Yeah, and, and be a cool. very, I, I just, I said, okay, I dealt with it and I moved on, you know. Um, oh, by the uh, way, I just got a call from a company. They want me to do this speaking gig. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> I'm and, just kidding. And, and then a friend of mine who's a very successful attorney. He'll be a guest on our show. He's great. But he was close to signing a deal with a shoe company, a dress shoe company, and he was incredibly excited. And the shoe company just disappeared. 
just disappeared. Didn't say yay, nay, not just disappeared. But I heard him the other day when he told me, he said, well, you know, that's okay. And he moved on. And that's what you, that is so important in life to move on. Right. You can't cling to the, to the, to the sadness yeah. and disappointment. And, and to a much lesser thing, Ray Mancini, the boxer, his brother passed away years ago and Ray was very close to him. And um, Ray, and I, he shared this in his documentary, and he said that um, he you know, went to the funeral. They said, no, he wanted to stay back. His dad said, no, go to New York. Keep training to be a boxer. You're not going to do anything here. And then Ray, in his voice, said, so I went to New York. I moved on. And, and you know, you still miss your brother. You still miss a parent. Just like with my mom and my dad. Yeah, it was hell that I went through. And I don't want to say move on in the sense of, you know, you forget about him. You just go on. As hard as it is, like you say, what's the process? Sometimes you just have to just just move on. I remember when my dad passed, I said, I'm never going to smile again. I'm never going to laugh again. And obviously you do. But it is hard, especially when you're dealing with death. But you do, you have to move on. Uh, one more thing. I remember my dad, I, I said numerous times, my dad had went through a lot in his life. My dad, um, his mom passed away early. Um, he quit school. He wanted to be, he was going to go to Geneva College, play football, be a high school history teacher. Long story short, he quit school as a senior to take care of his two younger brothers. He raised them. And, um, you know, anyway, best dad in the world. But he, he went through a lot. His, his mom passed, first wife passed of cancer at age 32. Uh, my sister got into an accident. Um, my, his, then, then he got sick. Uh, then my mom, married my mom, things were good. And then he got sick again, was told he was going to go blind, have emphysema, lost his job because they thought he was faking, which he was not. Um, then he couldn't leave, developed a phobia that he couldn't leave past our hedges. Then he got back on his feet and gave me a life that, um, like I said, I get emotional thinking about it, <clears throat> gave me a life that I could, whatever I've accomplished without my mom and dad, nothing, zero. Again, the turtle story. Mm-hmm. But um, there'll be arguments on my porch about money. They wanted to give me more than I had. That's how wonderful they were with me. Loved me to death, everything. But one time my dad and I were walking. And, uh, and Swickley and I said, Dad, how'd you go through all those things? You know, all the hell that you went through. Because it was one thing after another after another. And I mean terrible things. People screwing him over. People that he helped and gave money to that dogged him. Right? Family members backstabbed the hell out of him. I don't know how he didn't shoot out water whenever he would drink, you know, all the stab marks. But he said very simply, I had to. I had you to raise. I had to. I wanted to help you go after your dreams. I never forgot that. And so you just do it. You know, you, it, it's not being, you know, John Wayne used to say, uh, courage is being scared to death, but saddling up anyway. Right. In other words, the hell with it. it may, it's not being a tough guy. It's just doing it. And, and that's what he did. And that's what all of us do when you come with disappointment. But I, I got to tell you something. One time we were going to John Eagle, November of 2001. My dad was, you know, maybe about five five, but he had these thick hands. We're going to Johnny when he grabbed my hand and he said, Claude, he said, I am I've never been so happy in my life. I said, Really? He goes, Yeah. He says, You've accomplished everything that me and your mom ever wanted to accomplish. No, first he said, you're a great son. You stood by my side, you take care of me, you were great with your mom. <clears throat> and um, he said, You you accomplished your our our, our dream of you being in pro baseball. Um you married a great girl in Linda. I said, oh, God, I love Linda. And your daughter, oh, my God, my face is sore from smiling all day long at, at, at Ida, my daughter. 
And he said, I'm just so happy. And I said, well, Dad, I said, thank you. I said, but you know what? You know, Grandma passed away young, and first wife, Mary, passed away young. My mom, and you got sick. And I, I, he said, well, hell, I was happy until you brought all that up again. <laughs> he quit talking to me the rest of the day. He Way was mad ruin at me. It. Yeah, he, he ruined it. I should have kept, I should have shut up, but, but he got mad. But you know what's funny, though? You kind of made me think of something, though. It, it, all of, when people are listening and they're going through a bad moment or what they expect, and it's funny you talk about conferences because I remember – that I would do a lot of training and I would be traveling out there on the road doing training, these two-day courses, and you're, you're gone somewhere and then you come back and you got to go back. And you're right, man, that people understand speaking, especially if you're going to do it well and training, especially all dayers, that takes a lot out of you. It does. It, it, I mean, Empties people don't the tank. Right. It, it, it does, especially when you're doing it and you just bang, bang, another another event, another this, another that, and you're just gone, 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 gone. I, and for a while, I jokingly said it was like the rock star life. I mean, you're just tired because you're traveling a lot. Yeah. And so, um, you know, when I, when I think about that, though, there will be times and you're like, I am putting everything I have into this. And I'll, I'll tell you a funny story. I was doing some, um, I used to do a lot of training uh, for online undercover cyber stuff for, for different entities. And I was training um, north of the border, the Canadian law enforcement. And I was in um, Ottawa. So a lot of French Canadians. Well, if you know me, I love to tell a good French joke. Well, it never dawned on me when I'm doing the training that I'm telling French jokes to a bunch of French Canadians. They didn't like it. No, they did not. But it was funny because I had two classes. I classic- find it hard. You undercover. <laughs> I, don't, I don't put two and two together. Luckily, it's undercover. live training. But I remember because it was two days, Monday and Tuesday. And then the second class was Wednesday and Thursday. So the first two days, Monday and Tuesday, were mostly not French Canadians. And then the Wednesday, Thursday class were mostly the French Canadians. So when I'm telling all my jokes on Monday and Tuesday, they're laughing. We're having a good old time. Because um, even the, the Canadians make fun of the French Canadians. <laughs> and then when it came to Wednesday and Thursday, I'm doing my same routine, and they're just kind of like sitting there, and I'm like feeling like, man, I, I don't know what to do here. To your point, you feel like, man, I'm really screwing up. Like they're, you know. And at the end of the training, you know, you kind of realize why, but at the same time, it's like, to me, it was more of a clash of cultures because yeah. you can, you know, you can tell me a certain joke, you know, maybe about my ethnicity, about a, a guy joke, a dad joke, a husband joke, and I don't get like, oh, uh, what was me? You know, like I just, I just laugh at it. If it's yeah. funny, I laugh at it. If it's not funny, I don't laugh at right. it. You know, a joke is not something that's going to make me, you know, traumatized. Um, so when I, when they're, when you're, when you're doing these things with them, you're figuring, oh come on, this is, this is funny. Now it's a little bit of a culture thing because they don't, you know, they don't understand you. But to your point, at the end, you just feel like, man. I, I failed this whole week. Not not because I wasn't successful in getting the message and what we're supposed to be training in, but it's just something. If something didn't go right, it's it. it was a waste. I screwed up. Never mind that a lot of the things in those two days, even with French, went well. I'm so f- hyper focused on what didn't work instead of saying, "Hold on, this was a week. You're up here all week. You're tired." I'll tell you a funny story about that week when I arrived on Sunday. I was driving out of Pittsburgh. In Pittsburgh, the temperature was 70 degrees. Mm. I've got flip-flops. I think this was like, I want to say it was April or May. So I've got flip-flops, shorts, and a T-shirt on. We drove to Ottawa. When we got to Ottawa, it wasn't 70 degrees. It was like 38 degrees. So I get out of the car. I've got no jacket, no pants. I'm in flip-flops. It's like that, that wintry ice rain stuff. It's freezing cold. When I get to the hotel, I'm getting the shower. I slipped and fell in the shower. Just, and I'm thinking, this is going to be 
a wonderful week. And of course, <laughs> the wonderful is not the right word. But to your point, what am I going to do? My yeah. elbow's killing me. Yeah. I'm freezing. I'm just miserable. It was like an eight-hour drive from Pittsburgh to Ottawa. But you go in and you got to do it. You go yeah, in and you, you, you turn the switch and you say, all right, folks, welcome, blah, 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 blah. And you go through next day, ah, French, ha, ha, let's laugh at the French. They always surrender in wars, you know, whatever. Um, and then you do your training and then you drive out of there Friday no matter what. Now, by the way, when we were driving out of there Friday, they were having major flooding where they were literally getting ready to close roads. We were like literally roads Just behind us right. were literally closing. Yeah. So we got out of there. Um, but again, it's one of those things. When you look at that week, you're like, there are so many things that went wrong. And it's sort of disappointing because at the end of the day, I kind of was putting my heart and soul yeah. into that. I'm going to go stand in front of 30-something people, and I'm training them to do something. You know, I, uh, you know, I care. But you said the word moment. It's just a moment. Well, exactly. And yeah. I think that's what people get hung around is that they get hung up in emotions yeah. as if it's the end state instead of seeing it as something you're driving through. It's a cloud on the road that you're going to drive through. And sometimes it's a good cloud. Sometimes it's a bad cloud. But you're going to drive through that cloud, and you're going to get through that yeah. cloud. But There's a story in my book, which you can get at ClaudioRelsano.com. The book is called Lead from the Heart Up, Not the Neck Up, How to Create a Positive Winning Culture in a Field in the Office. But anyway, it was on my birthday years ago. And if we win this game at Carnegie Mellon University, it would be the most wins ever for our baseball team. And I really wanted that for this particular group. But it was also my birthday, as I said, and I heard them saying, we gotta win this for coach, we gotta win it for coach. Okay, well, we're down eight nothing. Eight nothing in the fifth inning. Oh, this is baseball, not baseball. football. Okay, no, no. good. <laughs> then all of a sudden, our team makes this big comeback. I mean, big time comeback against a very good team. So long story short, we, we tie it up, eight eight. And I have something, this kid Brett hit a double, game-tying double. I have something that a coach usually doesn't have time to do, and that's think, because it was a pitching change. So, excuse me, so I told Brett, look, Brett, <clears throat> we have number hitters one, two, and three coming up. You're the game-winning run, right? We got two outs, but we still have our best hitters up. If it's hit to left field, I'm not going to send you. I I'm sorry, I'm going to send you, because um, the left fielder has zero arm. There's puddles out there. <clears throat> You're going to score the winning run. If it goes to center field, I'm going to send you, okay, because he has no arm. It's a little what Right fielder, no matter what, I am not sending you. Do you hear me, Brett? Yeah, coach. Brett, listen to me. If it goes to right field, I am not sending him. Keeping you here, we have number one, two, and three coming up. We're going to win this game. But if it goes to right field, you're not to go to home. You stay here. Put it third base. You got it? Yeah, coach, I heard you. Brett, I'm not kidding you. If it goes to right field, you stay here oh, at third. This is why they put timers in baseball, but go ahead. Yeah. So, well, this is during the pitching change, and he's, he's warming up. So, so he said, okay, coach, well, where's the ball hit? Right field. He goes. What, no. What do I do? I send him. I just told him six times. I, I, I looked, I, I took my glasses off my sunglasses. I said, Brett, I'm telling you, don't go if it's at the right. Okay, coach, I got it. The ball's at the right field. I send him. And he's thrown out by a mile. The catcher had to go get him and tag him. That's all. I, why did I got caught up in the emotion? Anyway, like an idiot. So I looked at my team. I saw my guy. I said, guys, I'm sorry. Get me out of this were my exact words. Every one of the, those players said, don't worry, coach. We'll get him. That's what they said. Don't worry, coach. We'll get him. Well, we didn't get him. We lost. So as, as custom, we go down the baseline. And at the end of the game, and I, as I said, I wear sunglasses. I put my hands on my knees 
and I'm looking at the ground, and my glasses are catching my tears. And I told you talk about disappointment. I said, hey, I'm sorry. You guys made this unbelievable comeback, played your hearts out, and I blew it. I'm sorry. And I didn't even look at them. And one of my, my starting pitcher, John Cohens, said, Coach, if I would have pitched better, we would have won. My catcher, Brian Tabata, said, Coach, if I'd have gotten that hit in the second inning with the bases loaded, we'd have won. My center fielder, James Langhauser, said, Coach, if I'd have caught that ball that was hitting left center, and there was no way he was going to catch that, but he said, we'd have won the game. But because they liked me, and, and, and I was good with them too, that they did that. That's another story. But um, you talk about disappointment, right. you know, and, and – yeah, that's but but it's high and and I was down in the dumps. But from that disappointment, okay, stemmed our relationship grew even more. So something maybe can come out of a disappointment. Like I said, uh, you know, I, I I dealt with it, and like you said, it's a moment. You don't stay stuck in it. Sam Malone said, "Tomorrow I'm going to be okay, but for tonight I'm going to feel bad." The thing that happened to me this week, I was very disappointed, very disappointed, but. I'm going to go after some, and, and some things have popped up the past couple of days that are going to replace kind of that that number, that money number that I was to get with this group. It, it's not going to replace all of it, you know, because that was a nice chunk of change I was going to get with them. But I'm going to be making some money doing some other things. Um, so I've already kind of. But Claudio, uh, you've got talking business in life, my friend. And, what more and do we, we need? And we are accepting <laughs> uh, sponsorship interest. Go to crsmmedia.com. That's right. But, um, yeah, so, you know, it's going to happen. But what, what about people who disappoint you? What do you think about that? How have you dealt with that in your life? So that's a great question because uh, that is one thing that I have actually struggled with. And I'll tell you why. I, believe it or not, I never, ever, ever intentionally will screw someone over. Now, with that being said, that doesn't mean I haven't made a mistake and resulted in someone, I don't want to say getting screwed over, but something bad, like something bad happened. But it's like, that's not my intent. I meant this, but unfortunately didn't see it and that happened. It's kind of like, oh, let me close the door for you and the bucket of water falls on your head type thing. Like, I'm not trying to put the bucket of water on your head. Same principle. So I've never screwed people over, but I, I can tell you, um, and I'll go all the way back just to give you a good example. And I'm going to go way back in time. When I was in the Navy, so we're talking 30 years ago, I was overseas and uh, I was stationed in the Philippines. And this is right after we did not reach an agreement with the, with the government, so they were closing the base. So all the dependents had to leave and it was just a few military folks left to close the base. And there was a guy there and he wasn't married yet. He was a young enlisted guy. And he didn't have any money. And he had a kid with a girl, a local girl. So she's foreign country. You can't just leave. Not like today where you can just cross the border. Back then you had to go through new paperwork. Mm-hmm. So he's like, I don't have any money. So I gave him money. Now, I was pretty junior guy, and I, had, I didn't have a lot of money. So I gave him like 800 bucks to help him with his, quote, paperwork. Well, I found out he had no intention of marrying the girl. He basically just abandoned them there. Mm-hmm. Left the girl and the kid there. Very, again, disappointing. He's like, wow, you're going to like abandon your kid. So he did. He abandoned him. So I get back to the States and I actually find his number and I call his house and I'm like, you owe me some money. <laughs> of course, he won't come to the phone. His mom keeps answering the phone because he had to move back home from, he got, basically got kicked out of the Navy. So his mom's answering the phone. I'm like, well, he owes me money. I'm, trying, I'm telling her this story and I know he's in the background because you know how like when people are in the background and you, and you get the pause on the phone <laughs> and you know that they're putting their hand over the phone saying, <laughs> he's saying this. And it's like, come on, man. 
But again, you talk about that discipline. Now, that's one of those things. There's a lot of reasons why that bothers me. And I'll tell you what, the money is the least of them. It's the idea. It's right. I trusted you. I thought you were going to do the right thing. You knew I didn't have a lot of money. I had my own people to take care of, you know, my own family. And uh, it's like that was one of many times that that's happened to me because you try to help people. And what I've come to the conclusion is there are, there are two types of people in this world. There are givers and there are takers. And I've always said I'm, I'm, I'm blessed to be in a position to give. So I'd rather be in the position to give than to constantly be taken. So how, how do you deal with that? Well, what I've learned, because I've had that a lot of times, is I'd say, you know what, number one, and this will sound kind of funny, it's almost like I almost feel like I'm not loaning you money, I'm giving you money. Because what's the likelihood that you, if you give somebody money, you're going to give if it back? If you don't expect anything out of anybody, you're not going to get disappointed. Exactly right. So my, 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 my standards are low. And number <laughs> two is I just, I mean, to your point, it's like I can sit there and hold on to a lot of bitterness for people that have, you know, not done well for me. Let's just leave it at that. But if I do that, I will be consumed in what's, what someone else did to me instead of worrying about me going forward. Because a person that does that to you is probably not really going forward in life. Yeah. They're, well. they're, they're you know, and, and, and forward can mean different things. Yeah. It doesn't mean they don't have a good job making lots of money. That, that, good point. That's not necessarily what forward in life means. There's, you know, we as They're not people, happy. Right. They're, 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 they're in the taker mode. So their, their happiness is, I have a funny adage, I'm not happy till you're not happy. Yeah. So their happiness is seeing other people happy. And it, it's kind of like something you'd said before, a rising tide lifts all boats. Right. So instead of bringing each other up, they figure, well, I can't get up, so I'm going to bring you down. And so what happens is no matter how much you try, these people are going to be in your life, whether you like it or not, unless you just completely shut off from the world these people are going to come into your life. Now, what are you going to do about it? This kind of comes back to our point, the disappointment. Number one is don't expect much from people. So I've learned to not expect much from people. I try to be self-sufficient as much as possible so that I do not need anyone, mm-hmm. so I don't have to ask anyone for anything. Therefore, I don't have to hear the but, 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 well, 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 you know, we'll see, we'll see, we'll see answers, which is just a nice fancy way of saying no. <laughs> right. So I, I, but when it happens, when someone does do that to me, I've learned, and it is not easy, and sometimes I'm not going to lie, there's still some burning embers in here from some people that have done stuff like that to me. But for to your point, for the most part, you're like, I got to let it go. I got to just move on. And, you know, I don't, I, don't know, I don't know what else to do other than just... just I tell you, I'm, I'm the opposite. I, I don't... You let it burn? No. No, no. <laughs> now, my dad let it burn. My dad, as I said, I can't say one thing about that man. I, I really can't. I, I, my, mom, my mom was... They were both strong... Um, but my mom was was tougher in the sense that she she could cut you off. My dad didn't. My dad gave you another break, gave you another shot, gave you another shot. And and but anyway, what so but then it would hurt him. He was very sensitive, and I'm sensitive too. But what I did was your worst enemy can be your best ally. After the initial hurt, and I had some people that I really like the idiot that I was. They were family members. I'll be very honest with you. They I really cared for these couple people I really did and I wanted to impress them I wanted to I wanted them to care for me and and they just didn't um, at, at periods they did but the further I got along in my career the less they cared for me they would tell me such things as you know it's time to quit baseball grow up and be a man be realistic um, you know it's a pipe dream 
Uh, you're never going to make it. You're not good enough. You're going to be a failure. You're going to be a bust. You're going to be selling pencils, so on and so forth. Um, matter of fact, when my mom passed, that's all I was worried about was my mom. And one of those idiot relatives came up to me and he said, now it's really time to quit baseball and grow up and be a man. And But what I did was I used my worst enemy to be my best ally. There was no way in hell that I was going to be stopped. If I... Champion boxer Pauli Malignaggi was on my show one time, and I asked him if he received support with his goals and dreams of being a champion boxer. He said, not really, but I don't know if I would have handled it well. He liked it better when they dogged him. You know, like with me, maybe, I mean, I had the support of my mom and dad without question. My wife, of course, and, and, uh, and my friends were very supportive, very supportive to this day. But I had a few that really wanted to see me bomb. They really wanted to see me ba uh, just fail. And um, so I used that. And I, what I used to do, now I have it on my phone, but I used to have an index card whenever I would speak or coach. Whenever I'd do anything, I'd have on one side the people who were, were supportive of me. The other side, the ones who dogged me. And I, there was always a constant reminder when I wanted to quit. I can't quit. Obviously, number one, because of my mom and dad. But I'm not going to let this guy. Not going to give him the satisfaction. Yeah, I'm not going to give him That's satisfaction, good. and I, I and I didn't. And the best they said the best revenge is to live well. I don't talk to these people, and, and some of them have died, and you know whatever. They say an aching tooth is better out than in, right? And I I quit talking to these people years ago. And the one the one family member, who I never I'm not one to take anything off anybody. Not that I'm some kind of tough guy. It's just how I am. But this one particular relative, I took it and took it and took it out of respect. I never snapped back. April of 16, man, you want to talk about on my porch, long story short, I unloaded on this guy like you would not believe. On my porch outside, I'm screaming. And after I cussed his ass out and told him all the things that I have accomplished that you said that I wasn't going to accomplish, not just in baseball, but in boxing, in media, and all so on and so forth, I went in the backyard and I called the owner of our scouting company and I was in tears. And he said, Claude, what's the matter? I said, James, nothing's the matter. I just wanted to thank you because without you giving me that first big break, none of these things would have happened. But again, I don't know if I would have pushed. I mean, the love of my parents was incredibly important. Making my parents proud was so important. Making money you know, is important. But I'm gonna tell you something. Those people who dogged me and wanted to see me fail, I mean, they wanted to see me. They flat out told me, you're not going to make it. Uh, why are you trying? Quit, this and that, or just a bunch of garbage. Um, they were just as important as the, the people who were supportive. But the irony is it's like... And they all had good jobs, like to right, your point. Right, they're, they're, but it's that insecurity. It's something like that. They might have, I mean, I, I think a lot of people like that, there's probably something they want to do, with, and I'm just guessing. But, but they I mean, were doing great. They, yeah, but is it, but the, is it the, their the people, dreams that they fulfilled, or they just did great? And, no, uh, the people, that, those people I'm talking about had good jobs, and one of them had a really good job, and the other one did what he always wanted to do. The, the other one was, you know, she used to fluff up her hair in the front to cover the horns. That's another story. They all did. They all were like that. But they just wanted to see me bomb. And I, it isn't like... I bragged about, oh, I'm going to be in professional baseball. I'm going to make a zillion dollars. I'm going to be on a show, TV. I never bragged about anything. Here's how I am. If you tell me about all the accomplishments I've had, and I have had many, and I'm not done yet, I'll say thank you. I appreciate it. 
thank God I thank my parents. That's very true. Thank James Gamble, the owner of our scouting company. I'll thank, you know, people. Now, if you tell me that I haven't done anything, then I'm going to tell you if you have an hour all the things that I have done. Okay. But having said all that, I know it's a quick trip from the penthouse to the outhouse, as Boo Boo Man says. So I know all that. But my point is, they just, there was something wrong with them. Some people have right. sugar. Some people have high blood pressure. Some people are just idiots. There's haters got to hate. But to my point, though, there's something, there's something in them that they're projecting. Because I think hate is something that people carry. It's not always hate towards the external thing. It's something inside of them oh, yeah. that they projected on you. So there's something that there was something in them that wasn't fulfilled that they saw in you. And yeah. But, you know, never once did they ever say to me congratulations one time these two particular people were talking stupid. about well they, they would, I, at the time I only had a few awards a few plaques that my mom put on our living room wall they would look at it but as soon as we were enter that room they'd walk away <laughs> but never once did they Maybe say there was a crucifix in there too yeah, yeah but the, never once did they say hey you know what congratulations never once they say right. you did a good one time I was on the cover of this magazine the one guy goes Oh, you gained some weight, huh? Another time I was doing a show out of it was on channel on KDK. Why would you wear that, uh, you know, jacket and tie? Like no matter what the hell right. I did, you can just nitpick, find something. Oh my wrong. god! Yeah. And you know what though? That did to this day has a little effect on me because I I just keep pushing. Keep, I, I'm never satisfied with, and, and this is coming from a kid in 1972. I, and I could still see that. Of course, I live in the same house I grew up in. I said numerous times. When I was a little kid, I wrote the initials of all my family members on this door with a marker. My mom never said anything. And I remember how it looked, too, because it wasn't straight. It was kind of a slope, right? I wrote all my family's initials. Now, the only initials I would write would be O-R-I or my mom and dad. Of course, my wife and my daughter, the rest of them, all X'd out. Now, and somebody said, well, Claudio, maybe it's you were the problem. No, if I was the problem, I'd say it. But I was not the problem Plus at I'd all. say it, Claudio. Plus, What's I'd, that? plus I'd say it. Well, yeah, <laughs> but I'm, I'm extremely honest with myself. These people. Well, that's the key is, is you know. definitely people have to be more honest with themselves. We live in this fantasy world. You know, on Italian Impact Weekly, we interviewed Wade, you know, and we talked about the expectations with yeah. – with these with these parents with respect to their kids and you know these realistic things and uh, but and, and let me say just, this too know. real quick you talk about and, and you know I'm just telling you what happened you talk about disappointing in people okay I was extremely disappoint disappointed in these, in these people but more so disappointed in myself because I cared for them my mom who I adored was having cancer surgery and I can tell you we were at Swickley Hospital I can tell you the roof we were looking at and I told this one particular family member, I said, boy, I said, I don't want to lose my mom. I, I hope this surgery goes good. And I swear to God, he said in this tone of voice, well, if it works, that's great. If not, she bought the farm. Now, why in the hell would you say something like that? And, and, and like the stupid. idiot that I was, I didn't get away from him. Then the other relative, uh, later on that day, and it just hit me right now, and that was 35 years ago, that it was approximately three hours later, these two events happened. I, I, I never thought about it until now. But I was leafing through a magazine. I was on my knees leafing through a magazine. This one relative was to my left. No, no, I, I just did that and I got a, kind of a dizzy spell because we're, we're sharing stories here with you to impact you. But the doctor came in and he said that my mom's cancer spread and there was nothing they could do. And like the loser that I was, I just reacted and I reached for this relative's hand and he pulled it away, you know. 
And, you know, I, I tell you about my mom, how I, I love my mom. I'll never forget. It was August of 19, August of 1988. It was blazing hot out. But I had a Nike warm-up suit that Jim Valvano had on. Uh, long story short, I, I, you know, Jim was a friend. My mom and I were talking about whatever. We were going to Giant Eagle. I can tell you the exact spot we were when she stopped cold, dead, and she went like this with her arm to stop me. And she told me, if something happens to me, stay away from this person, that person, that person, that person, because they're going to eat you alive because they're too, you're, you're too nice, she told me. They're savages. Yeah, okay, Mom, let's go to Giant Eagle. She stopped me. Listen to me. Do you hear what I said? Yeah, my, she said, don't just hear me, listen to me. Stay away from this one, that one, this one, that one, that one. Right in the middle of Giant Eagle parking lot. I didn't listen to none of them until they threw rocks at me. Well, one of the ones that pulled his hand away was. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Huh. All, I, I got a, you know, got Mama an all star Yeah. Mama but, but you know what? So the whole thing is, how did I handle all that? You know what? You said you let it go. And that's a good. Mostly. Well, but, but you let it. But <laughs> the that fact was how that I still remember it. And some people out there can let it go. Me, Completely. I didn't let it go, but I didn't let it get yeah, me. It's not. It's not eating but, me up, but it's but, still there. But it's still there. Right. But for me, I used my worst enemy to be my best ally. I used them to motivate me. That the the jobs that I didn't get, or relationships that didn't work out. You look back, say, thank God they didn't work out. <laughs> but the jobs, you know, yeah. But you know what? I have a bunch of great jobs now and this one that I that looks like it's not going to happen I was disappointed because of all the heart and soul I put into it but you know what something else will pop up one door and I closes, won't even think about right. it one yeah, door exactly. closes, another as long opens. as you don't focus on that that one door well that's right but you know that's a good, kind of my final thought though is you know there's a difference between remembering something doesn't necessarily mean that it bothers you yeah and I and I teeter on the edge of you know, if I think about certain things, I get like, Ugh, and then, but it don't, but it don't, it don't burn me up completely. But yet, I know that it's still there's some things that are still embers there that I need to just completely let it go. But the problem is, by not forgetting it, I think I keep the embers alive. And part of me wants to just dump these things. Yeah, and, and one thing that you and I said when we were going to do this show, we were going to share everything, right. and, and we are. My dad, again, who I adored, my dad. My dad used to go to Italy like we go across the street. He was at the mill. And I don't know why. That's when you know he was talk, they were talking about his eyes and emphysema and this that, and the other thing. He started thinking and thinking about this one who hurt him, that one who hurt him, this one I gave money to, this one dogged me. I'm going. I have a four year old kid at home, and he kind of had a you know like a little bit of a breakdown kind of thing, you know. But he fought back, and like I said, had started his own business, and we had everything we wanted, and then some. I'll never be the success my dad was. Trust me, or the man he was never. But we all handle things differently, and um, you know, and and so I, I dealt with it as far as I used those people or disappointments or people that I worked with or anybody who dogged me. And I tell you, yes, you're going to be hurt because you care for somebody. But you know what? Best revenge is to live well. Show them up. Use that to motivate you. Okay, you want to dog me? You're going to think I'm going to lose? Okay, I'll show you type right. thing. And that's. Uh, 
you know, that's, that's how, that's how we do thing. it. Now, since we've been, let's talk about Joe Hale for a second. One time, Joe Hale. <laughs> now, Joe Hale, our producer, Joe has is the yet best. to disappoint me. Not at all. He's always smiling. He's a good man. But, uh, again, we said that at the beginning of this show that we wanted to have impact on people. And there's not another show out there like us. I, so you can go on all these, we won't mention their names, all these platforms uh, that are big time. You tell me another show that, that – comes from the gut like this. I don't know. I haven't heard it. However, you can catch uh, Talking Business and Life on iHeartRadio, Spotify, and, uh, right. and Podbean. The, oh, this is on Oh, there yes, too? sir. Okay. Yes, sir. We're right. on the big times. There you go. All there right. There you go. All right, Claudia, I want to give you last thoughts. Well, we hope you all enjoy this because, like I said, these are business and life lessons that we go through, and I'm sure you've gone through them. I'm sure right now when Steve said something, he said, oh, yeah, that happened to me. When I said something, yeah, I got a dog, too. And, you know, this is how we handle it and know that everybody out there, people that you look up to got dogged and, and how they dealt with it. And everybody deals with it differently. But we didn't hurt anybody. We didn't snap on any. Well, maybe we did snap on a few people here and there. But we, we handled it in our own way. But at the end of the day, we crossed the finishing line and things here we are doing doing a show, so we didn't do too bad. That's right. It's a fun yeah. time. And, again, so, I hope you guys yeah. enjoyed it. Um, again, we're trying to pour it out for you because we want you to learn from us. You know, we, we're – I like to think I'm – I'm a lot of steps behind a lot of folks, but I'm also a lot of steps in front of a lot of That's folks. Good way. I'm I like somewhere that. in the middle. <laughs> and so the folks that are listening, I'm behind you trying to catch up to you in a good way. And the folks that are behind us, we want to bring you up to where we're at so we can keep moving together. Life is too short. And um, there's just too much negativity and crap out there. And you know what? If there can be a place where we can go and I'm pissed now. I'm in a bad mood yeah, talking about these people. Yeah, detach <laughs> ourselves from all the all of the noise that's going on out there. Let's. Uh, and it's we, Steve's birthday it. today too. Right. Happy birthday! Thanks, buddy. All right. Uh, with that, Claudio, last thoughts. We're going to thank you. Thank you, know you again thank. for all the listeners. I appreciate all of you. And as always, thank you, mom and pop. Thank you for listening to Talking Business and Life with Claudio Relsano and Steve Mancini. Tune in next week for more impactful business and life experiences with Claudio and Steve.